Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. As recent events in Arizona have exploded onto the media, I have been particularly struck by the images that I have gotten from the Standing on the Side of Love campaign. It is not what they are doing that strikes me as unique. Images of police in riot gear descending upon nonviolent protesters are somewhat iconic. But I am instead struck by the deep theological grounding that this campaign embodies. Borrowing a line from Jason Shelton's hymn, Standing on the Side of Love, written in support of same-sex marriages, this campaign proclaims that we choose to take a stand in support of love. Whether it is supporting love between same-sex couples, or more recently, in support of immigrant families, we stand behind love more than any political party or division. Standing on the side of love is a variation on the idea that we need not think alike to love alike, that beyond our politics and personal experiences, it is love that unites us. The decision to stand on the side of love is a beautiful entry into exploring why Unitarian Universalists often feel called to work for social justice as a way to live out our faith. We understand it as a way to care for the interconnected web of all existence, to work towards the creation of a more whole world, a beloved community. Countless stories are coming out of Arizona that reflect this deep love. On July 29, 2010, about 100 people were arrested in Phoenix, Arizona in protest of SB 1070. SB 1070 is the recent legislation that allows law enforcement officers to ask any individual to show identification and proof of citizenship in an attempt to target undocumented immigrants. It has been, in effect, a form of institutionalized racism and, in essence, legalizes racial profiling. Since this legislation was passed, numerous copycat laws have been popping up across the country. The people arrested in Arizona were protesting on the day of, that the law went into effect in an attempt to deter the police from doing a roundup of undocumented immigrants that day. Of the 100 people arrested in Arizona in July, about a third of them were UUs under the Standing on the Side of Love campaign. UU clergy went to Selma and Birmingham in the 60s. They started presiding over same-sex unions far before gay marriage became a nationalized debate. However, it is not only our clergy who feel called to work for social justice. I have seen UUs organize, protest, educate themselves, and educate one another. Our work towards a beloved community and more whole world requires us to be present and engage our visions in the everyday, as well as making our voices heard in the public sphere. How many social workers, community organizers, educators, green sanctuary members, socially conscious investors, volunteers, youth mentors, healthcare providers, allies, and seekers do we have in our midst? Our work is not separate from those whose faith calls them to nonviolent protest in Arizona. While we cannot all go to Arizona, people all around us are looking to faith 
to, as a call to build right relationships between individuals and more whole communities in the wider world. This work is a labor of love, of solidarity, and of faith. What would it mean then for us, as you use, to talk openly about this type of social justice work as emboldened by faith, as an act of religious love? Faith-based social justice work is belief in the dignity of the human person. It is working for the common good and a preferential option for the poor. It is solidarity and acknowledgement of participation as a human right. It is respecting the dignity of work, and it is stewardship of the earth. When I read these words, I hear echoes of our own seven UU principles, but in fact, they come from a tradition from which many UUs consider themselves estranged. They are the seven principles of Catholic social teaching, a theology and practice of social justice work that has grown out of nearly 2,000 years of following the example of one man who had a few issues with the way the Romans ran their empire. Whatever you may or may not believe about the divinity of Jesus, there is no denying that he was a rebel and a revolutionary. Forever critiquing the laws and customs of the Roman Empire in which he lived, Jesus respected and cared for the outcasts of his society, prostitutes, lepers, and the poor. He fought to keep the evils of capitalism out of the church, turning over the tables of the moneylenders he found soiling the sacred grounds of the temple. He advised people to seek solutions on their own when they had disputes, criticizing the penal systems in his society. And he preached incessantly about the radical notion of loving thy neighbor as thyself, unconditionally and without exception. On the evening of the Last Supper, Jesus washed each of his disciples' feet, challenging social norms by taking on a task which in that time was reserved for the most menial of servants a task the disciples would not even have performed for each other. After this, he said to them, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so, also, so you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. Jesus challenges the disciples, and through them, all Christians, to follow his example of radical love, a love that in practice pushed and continues to push the followers of Jesus way outside their comfort zone. In one of the most quoted Bible passages, John 3.16, it is said that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just think for a moment about the power of this idea. God so loved the world that he gave to it his only Son. And as God has loved you, so must you love one another, enough that you would give up your only Son. Now clearly the Gospels are not asking people to literally give up their children. But the implication is to love one another with a mighty, powerful love, a love that is not human, but divine. It is this that modern Christian social justice movements are based on. The idea that we are called to love one another as God loves us, and thus to spread God's love by working to reduce poverty and discrimination and protect human rights. While views on Jesus or God are varied, to say the least, in our free church, there is an element of the theology of social justice and liberation that you use and Christians share. 
Our Unitarian Universalist principles begin with affirming and promoting the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Indeed, this principle is often cited as the reason behind our social justice work. If every person's dignity is respected, if every person has intrinsic worth, then their access to resources and basic needs must be met, and individuals must be treated with respect and compassion. While the idea of inherent worth and dignity feels firmly grounded in UU theology, what is more of a struggle is determining where this view that we hold so dearly comes from. Many UUs have a deep affinity for science. What we really like is empirical evidence, logical reasoning, arguments where A follows B and leads to C. Classical philosophy is good for that sort of reasoning, too. And there was a point when I began to think about why we know deeply that our social justice work is necessary and is right. If we work backwards, it has to do with the inherent worth and dignity of other people. But then, at some point, we cannot empirically prove that other people have inherent worth and dignity. Yet we know it to be true. What I've settled on is faith. Unwavering faith that this is right. That inherent worth and dignity of each and every person is what I believe in. That even though we can't prove this to be true, we know it to be true in our hearts and in our experiences. Taking anything on faith can be hard for very Unitarian Universalists. Many of us struggle with ideas of faith, uncertainty, of higher powers and wider truths. But while we cannot know certain, prove certain things, we can know them in other ways. Not all religions have such trouble with the concept of faith. For many religious people, faith is simply a given. Religion is not about science or empirical reasoning, but about having something to believe in. It is about acknowledging that the world is full of mystery and wonder, and that not everything can be explained. Religion is inherently about taking things on faith, and about the need for faith as a source of sustenance and wholeness. There's a story in the Gospel of John in which Jesus gives sight to a man who has been blind since birth. He rubs some clay mixed with his own spit on the man's eyes, and when it is washed away, the man can miraculously see. When questioned by the Pharisees, who are suspicious of Jesus and call him a sinner for performing this miracle on the Sabbath, the man explains exactly what happened and says that Jesus must be from God to have performed such a miracle. The Pharisees, not believing him and hoping to condemn Jesus, question the man further. Finally, the man gives up on his explanations, seeing that nothing will satisfy the Pharisees, and says to them, I do not know who this man is, or if he is a sinner, or how it is that he restored my sight. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. Christians often use this story to talk about faith and skepticism, using seeing as a metaphor for finding God. God is not something that they can prove, or explain, or even fully understand, but they feel God and see the effects of God's love in their lives, and so take the rest on faith. All I know is I was blind and now I see, they say. And like the blind man in the story, that is enough for them. You use experience love in much the same way, though for us it is not always God, God's love. It may be the love of a particular community, a sense of some higher love, or just the simple sense that the world we live in is teeming with love, and that that love moves in our lives in mysterious, terrifying, and wonderful ways. How do we explain this powerful love? We don't. We go back to the idea of inherent worth, 
saying that since each person has inherent worth, each person is worthy of love. And if each person is worthy of love, they're also capable of loving. And the love and loving go hand in hand, building on each other, until finally we look around and truly see that love which surrounds us. And when we find it, they ask us, how can that be, and where did it come from? And our only answer is that of faith. I do not know what this love really is, or ultimately, where it came from, we say. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. The love of a faith community has been a deep, sustaining well in my own life. I find that this love, this deep religious love, is so necessary in sustaining us as individuals and as communities. I have experienced this love in so many forms. When an individual has experienced some difficult time and is bathed in the love of many, with cards and food and rides. When we as a community experience a loss and hold vigils and support one another. When we bear witness to an injustice and proclaim to the world that we are standing on the side of love. When we welcome a new child into our midst and parents are buoyed by our support, when we commit to raising that child in a spiritual community of love and support for them along their journey. Time and time again, in our joys and in our sorrows, we need one another to gather, to witness, and to share our journeys with. This sharing reflects a deep love that we have for our communities and for one another. I find that this love of a community is something that I actively seek in my life. That this religious love goes beyond any specific community and happens when people intentionally gather, support, and love one another. All are welcome. Deep connections and new connections with the ultimate goal of creating a beloved community and tending to its web. I know that whenever I can find this type of community, I have a chance to experience this religious love. In my own life, I have found this type of community at young adult conferences, in churches, and at camp, where people check in with one another, share similar experiences, listen deeply, care for one another, and are cared for by a larger network. When we act out our love for one another, when our work and our lives are sustained and guided by our shared love, we have done holy work. What if we could talk about religious love, sustaining love, as something deep that we all share? What if this became a part of our regular dialogue, rather than something we skirted around because we can't explain it? What if we developed a common language that we could agree on? Or what if we truly heard one another when we speak about how love has sustained us? What if we embraced this unexplainable, beautiful mystery? There is a source from which our lives flow. If it isn't faith, and if it isn't God, what is it? Is it our covenants with one another? What motivates us to build and create these covenants? It must be our love for one another and for the world. Creating communities based on love is something we're already doing in our congregations. It is what makes us commit to this faith and what keeps us coming back each Sunday morning. Making this explicit would not require any fundamental change. If you've been a UU for any length of time, you've probably experienced it. Even if you are new, you may have brushed up against it. Some of my most striking experiences of UU love have come early on in my relationship with a particular group. The first time I went on a spring retreat with the young adult group here at ASC was one of those times. 
I was more than a little nervous about the trip. Having just moved to Boston a couple months earlier, I didn't know anyone in the group particularly well, and being a bit on the shy side, I had no idea whether or not I would be able to warm up to the group quickly enough to enjoy the weekend. I hung back a little when my carpool first met, watching everyone hug and exchange enthusiastic greetings. Just as I was starting to feel a little left out, someone turned to me and offered me a hug. Surprised and rather delighted, I accepted, and through that simple embrace, I was hooked. It was, in its own way, a religious experience, symbolic of the warm, loving, accepting, and welcoming community that I discovered throughout that weekend. Sharon Huang Colligan, a lifelong UU, calls such moments bathing in the magic pool, saying that it is a conversion experience, the UU version of finding God, and likening it to the Christian communion ritual. This is a useful analogy. The Greek word for communion, koinonia, means fellowship, and the basic Christian meaning is an especially close relationship of Christians with God and other Christians. The communion rite, or Eucharist, involves a communal partaking of bread and wine as a way of entering into relationship with Christ. If, for you use, our faith is not in God or Jesus, but in love, and in our call to create a beloved community and more whole world, then UU communion is indeed the experience of that love and the process by which we enter into close relationships with other UUs and create communities founded on love. Where you find this communion may differ for each of us, but we bathe in the same magic pool. It is a pool overflowing with a deep love and acceptance, unconditional and without exception. That pool is what we're looking for when we walk through those big wooden doors on Sunday morning. That pool is what nurtures us and sustains us when life takes us down unexpected, unwelcome, or frightening paths. And that pool is what pushes us to work for a more whole world, to take the divine love we find here and pass it on, to stand on the side of love. Our tradition embodies a multitude of love. We live this love through social justice work that is rooted in a legacy of radical love and is emboldened by a deep faith in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We live this love through experiences of divine love in our congregations and communities. The love we experience and know is not tangible, but it is felt, bringing us into closer relationship with others and acting as a sustaining and nurturing force. We have faith in love and its power to create wholeness in our lives and in the world. We find love in our faith. There is more love right here. <laughs>